0: This episode of Breaking Brave is brought to you by Soul Snacks. Soul Snacks are single-ingredient, eco-conscious dog and cat treats, sourced directly from farms in Ontario and wrapped in fully compostable packaging. Treating your pets never felt so good. Use coupon code BREAKINGBRAVE for 15% off on soulsnacks.ca. That's soulsnacks.ca. This episode is also brought to you by Crank Coffee, the newest member of the Neal Brothers family. Crank Coffee is a new Canadian whole bean coffee brand that is certified organic and fair trade, founded by the Neal Brothers, Peter and Chris. This brand was influenced by cycling, coffee lovers and experts. Check it out at the Neal Brothers online shop and use our coupon code BRAVE for 20% off your first Crank Coffee purchase. Enjoy. Welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm your host, Marilyn Barefoot. And today I'm chatting with my old, absolutely not so old friend, Cynthia Hayde. Cynthia is the co-founder of the Delhi Production Agency. And recently we were chatting over a Zoom call about this neglected issue of ageism in the advertising industry. So we decided to do this podcast focused on that. The vast majority, in fact, 70% of people in agencies are aged 40 or younger. And age discrimination is actually the biggest hidden bias in advertising, and it's gotten a lot worse during the pandemic. The industry, to its credit, has tried to address gender and racial equality in recent years, but there's been no equivalent action on age. The advertising industry is literally, I believe, addicted to youth, they crave it in their agencies, and they covet it in their audiences. They believe younger staff are more creative and younger consumers are more valuable. Let's jump into this. Please welcome the incredible Cynthia Haid. One of the wonderful things that happens to everyone, or I feel like has happened to everybody as a result of the pandemic, is that we've had the opportunity to reconnect with some great friends and great colleagues that we maybe wouldn't have reconnected with if we hadn't been in the lockdown situation that we've been in. That recently happened to me, and I reconnected with a a great friend and colleague that I met at BBDO, Cynthia Haid. Welcome to Breaking Brave, Cynthia.
1: Thank you so much, Marilyn, for having me. It is a delight
0: to reconnect with a strong, powerful woman that I had so much and still do obviously have so much respect for. So Cynthia Hayde is the co-founder and executive producer, as well as the head of strategy for a production agency called The Deli. So it's The Deli Production Agency. And when Cynthia and I worked together at BBDO, she was head of production at BBDO. So Everything that happened in the world of advertising in terms of getting produced, Cynthia touched. So as a result of this Breaking Brave podcast, Cynthia reconnected and we started chatting about, if you will, the good old days in advertising. And out of that conversation came a very interesting subject that we wanna tackle and discuss today, which is really the neglected issue of ageism In Canada and we'll call it North America's advertising agency industry. So, Cynthia, let me start by first of all, welcome. I'm so thrilled to have you here. (laughs) And second of all, we got any kind of story you can just kind of lead off with that might demonstrate how you may have experienced ageism within the advertising industry.
1: Okay. Well, you know, there's there are lots of stories. We've heard some of them, the most famous ones in the press, but you know, um, it's one of those things that I think you can experience both as a young person or an old person, you know, ageism, yeah. and it's all-encompassing. Like, clearly I'm on the the older age of the spectrum these days, and I have lots to say about that, but um, for me, I, I first experienced it as a very young producer before I started getting into management roles where I was taking on projects and I was very, very lucky to have uh, those opportunities. But I remember one in particular, uh, one of the very first shoots that I helmed as a producer. And it was for a very large auto client. And we had our pre-production meeting. And I remember walking into the boardroom and it was one of those big, long boardroom tables Um Full of men, I might add, because typically car accounts back in that day were mostly male-dominated. They were. That's just the truth. Um, And I sat down at the head of the table because typically a uh, pre-production meeting is run by the producer. And I remember being five minutes into the meeting where you would start with introductions and go through an agenda. And the client looked at me and said, you don't look old enough to babysit my kids. (laughs) And I remember at the time being very, very thrown off by that, but I recovered quite quickly. I can't even remember how I responded, but that sat with me Um, and it made me, I don't know, have to want to prove myself even more or whatever the case may be, but I thought, okay, this is what this is going to be. This is, you know, the first example of being not disregarded because I wasn't disrespected and I wasn't disregarded. It was just a comment. And I don't know whether that would have been made if I was male or female. I mean, that's a whole other issue than maybe the topic of another podcast. But um, it was my first um, experience with being um, put in a box, if you will, because of your age. And I thought, Interesting. So that's one. And then the other, do you want me to tell another one right away? Yeah, I'd love
0: you to. And I'm thinking, I, I is there one on the other side that goes, okay, yeah. so now you're not old enough to babysit my kids. My yeah. God. And and what about the other side of it?
1: Yeah, now I'm old enough to have had my own kids. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a different, uh, different uh, um, equation. But I think one of my, um, I don't know whether it's the aha moment, but again, a, a moment where I really... Um, recognized um, advertising and the the average age of people I was working with I had started working at Taxi which I was super super excited about I spent nine years there heading up production and um, they were really really good at the time of um, that, the culture was incredible there Um, and they had regular town hall meetings and I know a lot of companies have town hall meetings, but taxi did them really well. I was always just like so blown away at how well they were put together. And I remember Rob Gannett standing up and it was my first town hall meeting and we were in this, I can't even remember where it was. It was offsite somewhere. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and he started with, uh, you know, always an introduction of new people and, um, he started with a demographic slide, which sounds super boring, but it was really just uh, an, an a slide that, in, that encapsulated who Taxi was. Mm-hmm. And it had people by discipline and age. And I remember looking and going, there was you know X amount of 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds. And then as soon as you got to the 50-year-olds, there was like four. And at that time I went, okay, I'm one of those. <laughs> um, and that was really, that was again, really telling because, you know, you could see, you could see really how young an industry it was. And I was at the ender or the older, older spectrum. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, how much longer do I have here? You know, and uh-huh. it, it started making you ask some questions about that. And you did look around and you went, yep, there's not that many of us here. Um yeah. so that was sort of the the older the older spectrum, and I'd say, you know, in terms of you know um things I would start to notice were you know people's perceptions of what you were capable of doing. Let's just say that,
0: yeah, absolutely.. Mm-hmm. I understand that the vast majority and we talk numbers here, seventy percent of people in agencies in North America are aged 40 or younger. So I started digging a little bit more. And basically, what this boils down to, and I'd love your thoughts on this, is that the advertising industry is addicted to youth. They glorify youth because it's conflated with creativity. The advertising agency industry worships at the altar of innovation, of disruption, of imagination all those words that somehow the world doesn't think that people over 50 maybe women specifically I don't know I just say people we lose it we don't actually have any of that anymore it's gone and so young hip cool is the way the agency business leans what, do, what how do you feel about that Cynthia is that accurate or what what are your thoughts
1: well, I think there's a lot of truth in that and that there's, you know, the old notion of you can't teach an old person new tricks or yeah. they're not able to keep up with technology, um, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I, I see it more as a mindset. You know, there mm-hmm. are older people that are able to be at that intersection of innovation and creativity and get really excited about new ideas and research new ways of doing things. Um, I mean, I know younger people that, you know, uh, shun social media or whatever, you know, don't want to be in that space and don't know that space and it's not part of their world. So I think it's more of a mindset. But um, in terms of your question, I think there is a perception that young people are the ones that have more I guess innate knowledge about this because they grew up in it, and I and I get that I get that point of view. Um, for me, it's about leveraging. Why can't we build it both the same way, or 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 using young and old together, or a hybrid mm-hmm. of that? You know, um, fresh ideas um, and perspectives are important. They can come from anywhere, but, you know, if you do buy into that notion that they're coming from young people, well, marry that with experience and expertise and imagine exactly. what you can do. So um, for me, it's about, you know, not necessarily drilling down into the question of whether you can do that. It's, it's more about the value of that person and the mindset of that person. Mm-hmm. So an older person that might not have grown up in the in the digital age, so to speak, you know, I—I I, I mean, I remember when I started at Taxi and I oversaw um, digital production. And you have to remember, this was at a time—it was uh, early two thousands, two thousands, yeah—and um, everything was new. Um, brands didn't know how to, you know, um, necessarily be effective in the digital space. There was a lot of experimentation and i had a huge learning curve on in in terms of even how to produce you know what was being produced or even being relied on to be what should we be doing cynthia because nobody really knew at that point yeah, yeah. so i think there's there's a, a lot of maybe misperception in in that notion i think older people can have just as much curiosity to explore new spaces as, as young folks.
0: Agreed. And one of the things that I turned up as, as a thought, which I found kind of interesting is that many women describe the over 50 as that they feel invisible. Yet for women in middle age, like that category, whatever that category is, it might actually be the best time of their lives they it can be returning to ambitions that they had to set aside because they were raising a family they were supporting a partner they they didn't have time they didn't have the energy they didn't or or they didn't they weren't able to even pursue ambitions that they may have had since they were really young and now they can do that so in a way it's such a great time of life especially for females because they're you know reaping potentially some long overdue success which they've had to shelve for a bunch of different reasons
1: yes i couldn't agree more i mean i think i think it it's it's something to celebrate frankly yeah. because it's um the ability to there's a laundry list. Stay calm under pressure. Use your experience to problem solve. Um, you've had all that time to develop your voice. You know what matters. You know what to pay attention to. In my case, my entrepreneurial spirit was ignited. There were so many things um, that are wonderful that come with with uh, aging, and frankly. Should be completely celebrated. So this notion of feeling silenced is horrible. I think it's horrible. It's um, you know you 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 can look at at the lessons that history teaches us. Like we we look to old the older generations to to share their stories about what they've been through and hopefully pass that down through generation to generation. So to not do that in the in the business space and in the world or the and I call it the the advertising world I grew up grow up in to not value that and ask about it and say how would you handle that? I really need that. I mean I think it's a shame if it's not happening and and particularly now when costing has played a major role into in my mind, part of the reason we're in this place is that, you know, um, there's always somebody that's going to do your job cheaper. It's just that simple. Yeah, And, you know, that is a very bad race to the bottom. And yeah. I think that having the ability to work that out differently is is super important and not go there because at the end of the day, you've got this expertise versus an amateur, and I'm not saying all young people are amateur. That's not what I'm saying. They're just in a different place. Like there's yeah. always the visionaries that might be smarter than the average bear, but for the most part, you have to learn your craft. So you know the the um, you know that that mix is is really important. You know, there's a saying I came across that says, "If you think hiring a professional is expensive, wait till you hire an amateur." I mean, you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for, and I just Absolutely. wish that more there was more of that within the advertising industry. You know, it, it's um, it is in my mind a very um, missed opportunity. You know, not to include include ageism in in the crusade for more in- inclusivity.
0: Absolutely, because as we had talked about, BIPOC and hashtag Me Too, and there's mm-hmm. been an awful lot going on. Mm -hmm. But this is this insidious thing that just kind of simmers under the surface and it's almost invisible because sometimes it's very hard to tell why you didn't get invited to that meeting or why you didn't get that job opportunity because cultural fit is the masked language that potentially gets used if you get passed over for something. So it isn't as obvious, which I think is why it hasn't been dealt with. Now, we were talking BBDO, and so I have this I have this quote from a woman. I don't know this woman, but she's the strategy director. Her name is Olivia Stubbings, and it was in a published article. She said that over 50s, men and women, represent only 6% of the ad world's workforce mm-hmm. globally. Mm-hmm. And then she went on to describe the fact that putting that in perspective, in the finance industry, it's 22%. In the medical industry, it's 28%. In science, it's 30. And in law, it's 35. So when you look at those percentages of over 50-year-olds in those professions, it feels like experience translates to expertise, whereas we, we, the advertising industry goes the other direction, (laughs) those industries, call it finance, medicine, science, and law, the experience that you have by doing those jobs over the years is appreciated and it it develops into proficiency. It doesn't get looked at that same way in the advertising business. It's the complete opposite. It's like you're stuck in your ways. You can't, as you mentioned, learn new things. You're not open to, you don't understand trends and cool and It's completely wrong, completely wrong.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I would say I'm I'm ever hopeful. (laughs) I'm always an optimist. I I do see that changing a little bit. And it, it could be a combination of the need for it to change a little bit, coupled with, you know, all these incredible smaller shops that are creeping up. You know, sort of the old notion of the big holding companies and, you know, the cost pressures that come on that are being really challenged by these smaller shops that are creeping up. And these smaller shops that are creeping up are being populated by a lot of people going, I don't want to work like that anymore. I want to work this way, which is more more direct, let's say, with brands, more senior kind of thinking being applied so that you know you're you're not seeing that churn, that sort of thing. Um so I feel like I feel like it, the the tides are turning just a little bit. I don't know whether they'll, they'll turn dramatically, but my hope is that it's some of my most successful projects are where we have put together a team of really seasoned people and, you know, you just get it done. And I don't mean you just get it done because it's like a project to get out the door, you get it done because you've got good thinkers hmm. that are tackling the problem. It doesn't mean that you can't be mentoring and bringing people along that way. It's just a different way of working. And I think it's a really important um, thing to pay attention to so that, that that experience level does actually get valued as, as expertise and not, um, not deadwood. <laughs> that's harsh, I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, it's it's I got a couple roads to go down here with you, Cynthia, but the idea of diversity in perspective in cognitive thinking is yeah. also the piece that needs to be thought about. So it's not just female male or or bipoc or LGBTQ plus it's everything. And so the diversity of thinking, therefore a lot of the stuff that Mm -hmm. over 50s have been through and experienced puts us in a better place often to be able to see the bigger picture because we've had to live through those kinds of things. So we can kind of peek around the corner and represent a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of a rock for people who haven't experienced those kinds of things.
1: That's right. Or just representing a voice. Like mm-hmm. if you think about you know the the consumer, you know the consumer is everyone from zero to a hundred. So you know you can't. I mean, it's the same argument we we hear. It's and and I don't want to diminish any of the other crusades. You know, Mm-mm. I I like to call them crusades. I um, love that word. That's a great for, word. Yeah, for for inclusion, it's just like you know if you're having somebody do a project based on on a product for menopausal women isn't it better to have somebody that's been through menopause tackle that in terms of you know what you're going to say i mean sure yeah. you can you can get the research done and you can do all that but you know that voice is super important so that that's that's Kind of what I'm saying is, is you know, from a consumer perspective, you want to make sure that that voice is heard as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, articles I've read lately around the the spending power. Yeah. You know, so there's that to consider as well. It's like the 20 year olds don't spend like 50 year olds and 50 year olds spend differently than 70 year olds. Like, I mean, you have to really start thinking about who the demographic is as well.
0: I started by diving deeply into, well, the ad agency business, okay, but let's look at the other side of that. Who are they advertising to? And the fact that they've completely, well, as a general paintbrush statement, generally misrepresent the people that are over 50 so that people that are over 50 watching this creative Experiencing this brand, speaking about X, Y, Z, they don't relate to it because it, they don't see themselves in that situation. They don't see themselves in that person. That's that that they can't relate to it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about the over fifty spending is so high. In fact, they account for the majority of value in many categories. So. of car, speaking of the car business, of car sales and 58% in travel and tourism and like 58% in hospitality and leisure and 50% for health and beauty. Like these people are valuable. It's a very valuable generation in the history of marketing as the boomers are coming up and coming through and maybe the kids are gone and they finished their university or their school or whatever they're doing You'd be crazy not to tap into this group of people and make sure that you're speaking a language
1: that they relate to, right? Yeah. And I think it also um pertains to product development, you know, on the on the brand side too. You know, one size doesn't fit all for, you know, I think about health and beauty products and the, you know, uh new crop of of products that are coming out for aging women. You know, um, so I, I, I think, you know, it's it's like there's this whole ecosystem, if you will. I don't know. I, I, I do like to think that everybody's waking up to the fact that there is that, that huge chunk of um, the population that needs to be paid attention to, whether it's developing products for them. Marketing to them, representing them, and in in the case of the industry that I'm in and the business that I'm in, hiring them. Mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's something that we should be looking at is how do we hire more of these people? Thank you, Cynthia. And one of the people that we talked about prior
0: to jumping on doing this recording together was Cindy Gallup, and Cindy Gallup is a big spokesperson in in the industry, and she talks very openly about how being passed over, being shoved aside, being made to feel invisible is just hell on mental health. Mm-hmm. Because you start to devalue yourself, you start to question your worth, you start to say, well, the world doesn't need me anymore, the world doesn't want me anymore, I can't contribute. And that's a very dangerous
1: and scary place. Mm-hmm. No, I love I love reading what she writes. <laughs> she tackles it head on. She tackles it like in a in a very pointed way. Calls out the bullshit around it. Like I have all the time for her point of view on that. But I think we're saying m- much of the same thing, you know, in terms of uh, just. You know, the notion of, I think we've all been in places where we've seen people pushed out, pushed aside. And it doesn't just happen in advertising and marketing. I've seen it in other industries too. You know, God forbid that you're over 50 and you get laid off because it's really hard to get a job. It's really tough.
0: And we talked about reinventing yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. And the (laughs) idea
0: that, you know, maybe banging on the same door of the big agency business if you've been let go is is not the right approach, uh, aka the definition of insanity. And if this ageism is happening out there as rapidly and as broadly as we believe it is in the ad business, that that's just never going to get you anywhere except feeling terrible about yourself or worse. And And so this idea of reinventing yourself. So you've done that, Cynthia, right? I mean, basically left the big world, the big agency world and reinvented yourself. So can we talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. I, you know, I feel like I've had to, you know, you can, you can uh, put it out there. Like I had to reinvent myself, but um, I really, I really wanted to. Um, for me it's um, you know one of the things when I left the big agency um, first and foremost boy do I wish I had done that 10 years earlier (laughs) Um, you know I think I, I think I keep coming back to this notion of finding your voice and I've been very very lucky that I've had training and mentorship throughout my career I've Worked with amazing people in, in wonderful places, worked on all kinds of great campaigns, you know, um, had great work stories, traveled the world shooting, you know, won awards, like just no complaints whatsoever. But I, I can't say, and obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty. but I can't say I really had my voice honed when I was in that space. I was always working for working for others and I know that that's not that's not necessarily what I'm trying to say because we all work for others. I even work for others now even though I have my own business. But I didn't have the strength of voice. I didn't have the the confidence to really put a stake in the ground when I needed to. And I don't think that really came until I went out on my own. I really don't. I think that that journey that I started back then was really one of the scariest yet most exciting exhilarating um professional journeys that I've ever had like I've I've worked and had jobs that I'm super proud of um but but I can't say they compare to the journey that I took on when I went out on my own and I had one confidant mentor say just make sure you have the stomach for it Cynthia <laughs> And I had no idea what that what that meant until I was in it and went, oh, oh, yeah, right. All those things, you know, learning how to run a business like, you know, strengthening your voice because you have to have a stronger point of view and you're vested in it a different way. And I wish there was a way that I could have built that up earlier. And I think that, you know, that that is also a benefit of of the value somebody older brings. Because I'm not saying that just because I left the agency world and then started my own business that that's how I found my voice. I think I could have found my voice well within in the other organizations, but it's the value of it. It's the perception Mm -hmm. of the value of it that I really feel is strengthened now that I'm where I am today.
0: Absolutely. And I think, and I, I love the way you've put this because I think that voice comes with age, with experience, with just living mm-hmm. life and being, you know, fall down, thrown under the bus, pick yourself up in whatever yep. situation <laughs> that is. Yep. The voice comes, but then it comes most strongly when this is just you. Yeah. You don't have the big corporation. You don't have benefits to pay for your dental. You don't have, if you're not out there pitching it, working it, doing the work. Yeah. You don't have an income. Yeah, exactly. So you find your voice pretty damn fast. And that doesn't mean pushy, aggressive, bitchy. It just means your voice. Whatever yeah. you feel is appropriate. This now your livelihood and your life, your happiness, your income, it all depends on it. So
1: Well, and and yes, and then as you build business and you realize that other people's income depends on it because as you yeah. grow and you scale that's a that's a huge responsibility so you do have to be clear and i i think you know the reinventing process is a really exciting yet scary scary one because you have to to your point you have to get there pretty quickly but you also have to try a bunch of things you can't oh, be yeah. afraid to try and that's kind of the exciting part and some things fail and people will never call you again and you just have to you have to live with that. You know, there's there's lots of lessons I learned over 50 that I think are valuable for the work I do right now.
0: I also feel like we're in a great great place as much as we can say, you know, 79% of the industry em- employees agree that the industry being advertising industry is ageist we're also in this tremendous place of people are talking about crusades. People are embarking on crusades. People are speaking openly and honestly about who they are and what they want to do with their lives. This just couldn't have happened for us older white women 50 years ago. No, it just, no no matter how much we bucked it or tried it, I I believe the odds were well against us then, but they're not so much now. That's the
1: hope part, isn't it? Yeah. I will say to anyone that listens, (laughs) you know, I don't remain in this business because I need a paycheck. I remain in this business because I love what it's doing. And, you know, it's really easy to poke holes in how things don't work. The more exciting part and the scarier part is trying to figure out how to make them better. Let's celebrate age. Let's say how old you are. I'm 61. That sounds so old. I don't feel any older than a 40-year-old. And let's include this notion of, of marrying fresh perspectives with expertise into our our diversity and inclusion processes and you know our our genuine want to have all the voices heard. I mean, I think that it's just super important to include it in there.
0: Thank you. And if that's that's the biggest message, Cynthia, isn't it? I'm sixty two, by the way, full disclosure, so I got a year on yeah. you. <laughs> and i don't feel it i mean but what is 62 supposed to feel like i do remember when i was 20 going oh my god 62 ooh uh. but there again it's all about perspective and
1: yeah. and about mindset too like you know you remember that old saying 40s the new 30 was it yeah. 40s the new 30 or whatever so um I have a, a friend who's left the ad inju- industry she was very successful executive producer if she listens to this she, I hope she's okay I tell her story um but <laughs> cool. she started she started a um on Instagram look it up 60 is the new 40 Oh nice 60 feels 40 and uh you know it's it's again it comes down to mindset and I think you know age is just a number it's really just a number so you know it's more experience that counts
0: right your attitude and mm-hmm. i've done some work with forbes in new york and forbes over the last couple of years has launched the 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 outstanding 50 over 50 which is 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 such a nice message um you know they've done 30 under 30 but now they're looking at 50 over 50 and it's it's so heartening to pick up that copy of forbes and go
1: wow and that was an incredible list of women too.
0: Oh. Yeah. Yes. Um people ask me regularly, "Well, why why haven't you retired? When are you going to retire?"
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I hate that word. I really yeah. do. I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, I think um the answer that I generally give people is on the day of my funeral, I'll be working until lunch. <laughs> because <laughs> I love what I I love what I do. And yeah. and I think it keeps you relevant. It keeps you interested. It keeps your mind busy. It keeps your self worth and your mental health in a good place. No matter what the hell it is,
1: right? Absolutely. You know, there's uh, there's retirement is well, a who can retire these days? But <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast topic. Um, but there's different ways, and I think that there, there's different ways of hiring experience. Like, you think about the 50-year-olds that lose their big, high-profile jobs. Mm-hmm. So hire them to do something on a project basis. Hire them on a contract. Hire them, you know, as a consultant. Hire them. There's so many different ways you can tap into it. And I think that's, that's uh, one way of, well, that, that would be a win-win, wouldn't it? Because, you know, you have that experience and... um you can you can tap into it. Um, there's lots of different ways of doing it. And with the way people are working right now, I think there's more opportunity for that.
0: So that brings two stories to mind for me. <laughs> Number one, I did a bunch of work with Deloitte at Deloitte University. So this had nothing to do with my product and what I do. But as a facilitator speaker, they saw the opportunity of me teaching some of their material and I did that live before the pandemic, and they used to bring in people called CXOs. In other words, no longer being CEOs, but X meaning they've retired, they've (sighs) moved on, they've gone somewhere else as part of the program. Well, these CXOs were phenomenal. First of all, the stories they told, the knowledge they brought, the insights they brought. I mean, these are senior partners that were sitting in these classrooms, but even still, and I'm not saying that meant they were young or old, but they they just couldn't get enough, could not get enough of the stories, the expertise, the perspective, like, have you ever thought about doing it like that? Just priceless. The value yeah. of the CXO was priceless. Yeah, that's number one story. Number two story, when I had my own agency for 10 years, a friend's father lost his wife very suddenly to a heart attack. And he called me up and said, Marilyn, I know you have a business and I know you're downtown on Adelaide. I need a reason to get up and shower and get dressed every morning. Can I come and work for you? And and I said, well, of course, Dick, you can come and work for me, but, but like, what do you want to do? I'll sweep your floors and clean yeah. your bathrooms. And I'm like, bless your heart. I, I, Dad. this was like a senior executive dude who just crashed when his wife died suddenly of a heart attack. So mm. I said, Dick, come on in. Let's, can I come every day? I'm like, yes, absolutely. So Monday arrives, and there he is, like, waiting at the door for me to open the door into the offices at 355 Adelaide Street West, dressed in a suit and a tie, smelling (laughs) glorious. He had aftershave on and everything. He came upstairs and he said, I'm just going to help. And I said, okay. He said, you don't even have to tell me anything about what needs to be done. I just need to be around people and I need to help. So he did. He swept the floors. He cleaned the kitchen. But he listened. And like midweek Wednesday, he came to me and said, you know, I have an idea about this because I've been listening to some of the conversations. And slowly, this man who came from a completely different business, he was sitting in on strategy meetings. He was sitting in on (laughs) brainstorming meetings. I was literally, and back then I was younger, shocked Mm -hmm. by the incredible value that this older man, this older gentleman, father of a friend of mine, brought to the table. Because in my mind, I did that terrible thing, which was I pigeonholed him. Yeah. Some of the most brilliant work that we came up with in brainstorming sessions came from Dick, and he was amazing. Yeah. And there came a day when one day he showed up and said, I think I'm ready to go back to start golfing again now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Dick, don't leave me. Oh, my God. But it it needed to happen to help him over that horrible morning slump of losing his wife. And Mm -hmm. what an incredible experience it was.
1: Yeah, that's a lesson. That's a nice story. I like that story, Marilyn.
0: (laughs) But what a brave man to say to me, I got to have a reason to get up. Yeah. You can be my reason. Mm -hmm. And that's just incredible. So on that subject, if I just mentioned that word, what does brave or bravery mean to you personally? Just give me shoot from the hip on this one in terms of what does your gut say?
1: Well, I think being brave is trying something you never thought you were going to do, you know, and not not being afraid to put yourself out there, not be afraid of failure. I mean, because you can't risk is risk taking is so important in what we do. But, you know, being brave is for me, it's really a lot about change. Yeah. And, you know, Change being your friend, you know, um, it's about seeing yourself. Well, actually, it's about not knowing where you're going to see yourself next and, and jumping in anyways, because, you know, is it just putting one foot in front of the other, like small little things that you can do that change Either, you know, a project direction or a person's perspective or anything. You know, it doesn't have to be, be a large, brave move. It can be a, a small move. So for me, it's about one foot in front of the other trying something new and then building from there. You know, I don't know whether I'd call myself brave because I really, you know, made some decisions after I left the large agency world. I knew what I didn't want to be, and I knew I wanted to be part of something. I've always enjoyed being part of an organization and feeling that shared vision. So maybe bravery to me in, in my space was creating my own vision and going, okay, I'm going to find people and bring them along with me.
0: Good for you. And that's,
1: that's sort of, I guess, where, where my notion of being brave is. That's fabulous. You know, try it. If it doesn't work you move on. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. And so Cynthia, how can we support you or, or how can we support the notion of this diverse perspective of young and old being around the same table um, and being represented? This is the shameless call out, Hey, it's your business, but Mm -hmm. how can people get in touch with you, follow you, support you, whatever?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's so many different avenues you can go, and so much work to be done. I mean, really, at, at the end of the day, you just have to figure out one way you can help. We are definitely part of the Higher Higher um, initiative, which is an industry-wide initiative to um, give opportunities to BIPOC artists, um, filmmakers, emerging producers, etc. So we have. Um, uh those people um we've vetted and we have certain producers that are shadowing some of our producers um emerging directors that are shadowing some of our directors there's lots of different ways you can do that I I I think for me it's um the the ageism thing I it's close to my heart just because I'm in it I'm totally in it so you know, you've got the diversity issue in terms of BIPOC players. You've got neurodiversity in terms of um, people that, you know, might have learning disabilities. Like there's just pick something to to help with. I, um, I'm just going to tell this last story because oh, maybe, maybe it'll resonate. But I've had two employees um, that have struggled with neurodiversity diagnosis or whatever And I've also had two employees I've hired that are emerging BIPOC talent. And I just think for me, if I'm a small business and I started, me, myself, and I, I grew pretty quickly, which was lovely, but still I'm a very small company. You know, I'm I'm nine people right now, full time. We scale up quite hugely when we have multiple projects going. But if I, I just take a step back and I go, if I, as a small business owner, can hire two people with neurodiversity issues and two people that are emerging BIPOC, like, why can't others do the same thing? And then when you look at age we've got covered, because there's me. <laughs> check <But> even <laughs> Yeah, check that box. But even my um, business partner is... Um, Younger than I am, but he's going to be here sooner rather than later. So he's watching what I do too. So I just, I don't know. I just think as a small business owner, you know, I would love, there's lots of initiatives out there to help support this. There's, um, oh, what's the one in the US called Um, Double Line, Double the Line, um, where we would add just a small feed, a certain line item, so we could actually pay people to come out and be on set and and, um, look around, see what they're liking, train under somebody, shadow under somebody. Um, So I would say what you can do if you are in a position of signing off on projects is ask the question, what are you doing to help support these initiatives? A lot of people do already, But put your money where your mouth is. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say that out loud because I have a number of emerging artists that are really, really eager to get work opportunities. And trust me, it's really hard to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that we've done a good enough job. Like we have these shadowing programs, mentoring programs, but actual real work, Mm -hmm. you know, figured out to get these people hired. We at the deli, we're very uh, sensitive to it. We try to look for our opportunities. And if I can find working opportunities for, for these kinds of people, I would, I would welcome that. Absolutely. So if there's anybody out there listening that wants to have a conversation about that, give me a call.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And so how do they reach you then, Cynthia? What's the best way to reach you through the deli, through the website at the deli, or how best to get you?
1: Through the website at the deli is the best way. And then you can look at all our work and hire us for other things too.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Of course. Yeah. This is such a valuable conversation and such an important subject matter, not because you're 61 and I'm 62, but yes. And (laughs) for the world out there that we actually do something about this, that, you know, we put our money where our mouth is or we take some action rather than just talking about it. So Thank you from the bottom of my heart, Cynthia, for joining us. And I I thank the pandemic for somehow reconnecting us to each other. I
1: know. It was truly a pleasure. And thank you so much for having me on,
0: on your show. Thank you again, Cynthia. It was just a delight. We look forward to
1: catching up with you again. Absolutely. Thanks, Marilyn.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Brave. For updates between episodes, please visit my website, MarilynBarefoot.com. You can also find me at Marilyn That's it for today. See you next time.